two of the boars by moliere this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. act two scene one erast alone are the boys gone at last i think they reign here on every side the more i flee from them the more i light on them and to add to my uneasiness i cannot find her whom i wish to find the thunder and rain have soon passed over and have not dispersed the fashionable company would to heaven that those gifts which had showered upon us had driven away all the people who weary me the sun sinks fast i am surprised that my servant has not yet returned scene two alcipe erast good day to you erast aside how now is my passion always to be turned aside console me marquis in respect of a wonderful game of piquet which i lost yesterday to a certain saint bouvin to whom i could have given fifteen points and the deal it was a desperate blow which has been too much for me since yesterday and would make me wish all players at the deuce a blow i assure you enough to make me hang myself in public i wanted only two tricks the other wanted a piquet i dealt he takes six and asks for another deal i having a little of everything refuse i had the ace of clubs fancy my bad luck the ace king knave ten and eight of hearts and as i wanted to make the point threw away king and queen of diamonds ten and queen of spades i had five hearts in hand and took up the queen which just made me a high sequence of five but my gentleman to my extreme surprise lays down on the table a sequence of six low diamonds together with the ace i had thrown away king and queen of the same colour but as he wanted a piquet i got the better of my fear and was confident at least of making two tricks besides the seven diamonds he had four spades and playing the smallest of them put me in the predicament of not knowing which of my two aces to keep i threw away rightly as i thought the ace of hearts but he had discarded four clubs and i found myself made capot by a six of hearts unable from sheer vexation to say a single word by heaven account to me for this frightful piece of luck could it be credited without having seen it it is in play that luck is mostly seen 
Death's death, you shall judge for yourself if I am wrong. And if it is without cause that this accident enrages me. For here are our two hands, which I carry about with me on purpose. Stay, here is my hand, as I told you, and here... I understand everything from your description, and admit that you have a good cause to be enraged. But I must leave you on a certain business. Farewell. But take comfort in your misfortune. Who? I? I shall always have that luck on my mind. It is worse than a thunderbolt to me. I mean to show it to all the world. He retires, and on the point of returning, says meditatively, A six of hearts. Two points. Where in the world are we? Go where we will, we see nothing but fools. Scene three, Erast, La Montagne. Ha! How long you have been, and how you have made me suffer. Sir, I could not make greater haste. But at length do you bring me some news? Doubtless, and by express command, from her you love, I have something to tell you. What? Already my heart yearns for the message. Speak. Do you wish to know what it is? Yes. Speak quickly. Sir, pray wait. I have almost run myself out of breath. Do you find any pleasure in keeping me in suspense? Since you wish to know, at once, the orders which I have received from this charming person, I will tell you. Upon my word, without boasting of my zeal, I went a great way to find the lady. And if... Hang your digressions. Fie, you should somewhat moderate your passion. And Seneca... Seneca is a fool in your mouth, since he tells me nothing of all that concerns me. Tell me your message at once. To satisfy you, Orphis, an insect has got among your hair. Let it alone. This lovely one sends you word... What? Guess. Are you aware that I am in no laughing mood? Her message is that you are to remain in this place, that in a short time you shall see her here, when she has got rid of some country ladies who greatly bore all people at court. Let us then stay in the place she has selected. But since this message affords me some leisure, let me muse a little. Exit La Montagne. I propose to write for her some verses to an air which I know she likes. He walks up and down the stage in a reverie. Scene four, Urant, Climen, and Erast at the side of the stage, unseen. Everyone will be of my opinion. Do you think you will carry your point by obstinacy? I think my reasons better than yours. I wish someone could hear both. I see a gentleman here who is not ignorant. He will be able to judge of our dispute. Marquis, a word I beg of you. Allow us to ask you to decide in a quarrel between us two. We had a discussion arising from our different opinions as to what may distinguish the most perfect lovers. That is a question difficult to settle. 
you had best look for a more skilful judge no you speak to no purpose your wit is much commended and we know you we know that every one with justice gives you the character of a oh i, I beseech you in a word you shall be our umpire and you must spare us a couple of minutes Clement to Arant. now you are retaining one who must condemn you for to be brief if what i venture to hold be true this gentleman will give the victory to my arguments erast aside would that i could get hold of any rascal to invent something to get me off Orant to Clemen. for my part i am too much assured of his sense to fear that he will decide against me to erast well this great contest which rages between us is to know whether a lover should be jealous or the better to explain my opinion in yours which ought to please most a jealous man or one that is not so for my part i am clearly for the last as for me i stand up for the first i believe that our heart must declare for him who best displays his respect and i that if our sentiments are to be shown it ought to be for him who makes his love most apparent yes but we perceive the ardour of a lover much better through respect than through jealousy it is my opinion that he who is attached to us loves us the more that he shows himself jealous <laughs> feigly men do not call lovers those men whose love is like hatred and who instead of showing their respect and their ardour give themselves no thought save how to become wearisome whose minds being ever prompted by some gloomy passion seek to make a crime out of the slightest actions are too blind to believe them innocent and demand an explanation for a glance who if we seem a little sad at once complain that their presence is the cause of it and when the least joy sparkles in our eyes will have their rivals to be at the bottom of it who in short assuming a right because they are greatly in love never speak to us save to pick a quarrel there to forbid any one to approach us and become the tyrants of their very conquerors as for me i want lovers to be respectful their submission is a sure proof of our sway fie do not call those men true lovers who are never violent in the passion those lukewarm gallants whose tranquil hearts already think everything quite sure have no fear of losing us and overweeningly suffer their love to slumber day by day are on good terms with their rivals and leave a free field for their perseverance so sedate a love incites my anger to be without jealousy is to love coldly i would that a lover in order to prove his flame should have his mind shaken by eternal suspicions and by sudden outbursts show clearly the value he sets upon her to whose hand he aspires then his restlessness is applauded and if he sometimes treats us a little roughly the pleasure of seeing him penitent at our feet to excuse himself for the outbreak of which he has been guilty his tears his despair at having been capable of displeasing us are a charm to soothe all our anger <laughs> if much violence is necessary to please you i know who would satisfy you i am acquainted with several men in paris who love well enough to beat their fair ones openly 
if to please you there must never be jealousy i know several men just suited to you lovers of such enduring mood that they would see you in the arms of thirty people without being concerned about it and now you must by your sentence declare whose love appears to you preferable orphes appears at the back of the stage and sees erast between orant and climene since i cannot avoid giving judgment i mean to satisfy you both at once and in order not to blame that which is pleasing in your eyes the jealous man loves more but the other loves wisely the judgment is very judicious but it is enough i have finished after what i have said permit me to leave you scene five orphes erast erast seeing orphes and going to meet her how long you have been madam and how i suffer nay nay do not leave such a pleasant conversation you are wrong to blame me for having arrived too late pointing to orant and climene who have just left you had wherewithal to get on without me will you be angry with me without reason and reproach me with what i am made to suffer oh i beseech you stay leave me i beg and hasten to rejoin your company scene six erast alone heaven must bores of both sexes conspire this day to frustrate my dearest wishes but let me follow her in spite of her resistance and make my innocence clear in her eyes scene seven durant erast ah marquis continually we find tedious people interrupting the course of our pleasures you see me enraged on account of a splendid hunt which a booby <laughs> it is a story i must relate to you i am looking for someone and cannot stay durant retaining him egad i shall tell it you as we go along we were a well-selected company who met yesterday to hunt a stag on purpose we went to sleep on the ground itself that is my dear sir far away in the forest as the chase is my greatest pleasure i wished to do the thing well to go to the wood myself we decided to concentrate our efforts upon a stag which everyone said was seven years old but my own opinion was though i did not stop to observe the marks that it was only a stag of the second year we had separated as was necessary into different parties and were hastily breakfasting on some new-laid eggs when a regular country gentleman with a long sword proudly mounted on his brood-mare which he honoured with the name of his good mare came up to pay us an awkward compliment presenting to us at the same time to increase our vexation a great booby of a son as stupid as his father he styled himself a great sportsman and begged that he might have the pleasure of accompanying us heaven preserve every sensible sportsman when hunting from a fellow who carries a dog's horn 
which sounds when it ought not from those gentry who followed by ten mangy dogs call them my pack and play the part of wonderful hunters his request granted and his knowledge commended we all of us started the deer within thrice the length of the leash tally-ho the dogs were put on the track of the stag i encouraged them and blew a loud blast my stag emerged from the wood and crossed a pretty wide plain the dogs after him but in such good order that you could have covered them all with one cloak he made for the forest then we slipped the old pick upon him i quickly brought out my sorrow horse you have seen him i think not not seen him the animal is as good as he is beautiful i bought him some days ago from gavot i leave you to think whether that dealer who is such a respect for me would deceive me in such a matter i am satisfied with the horse he never indeed sold a better or a better shaped one the head of a bob with a clear star the neck of a swan slender and very straight no more shoulder than a hair short jointed and full of vivacity in his motion such feet oh, oh by heaven such feet double haunched to tell you the truth it was i alone who found the way to break him in gavot's little john never mounted him without trembling though he did his best to look unconcerned a back that beats any horses for breadth and legs ho ho ye heavens in short he is a marvel believe me i have refused a hundred pistoles for him with one of the horses destined for the king to boot i then mounted and was in high spirits to see some of the hounds coursing over the plain to get the better of the deer i pressed on and found myself in a by thicket at the heels of the dogs with none else but drekar there for an hour our stag was at bay upon this i cheered on the dogs and made a terrible row in short no hunter was ever more delighted i alone started him again and all was going on swimmingly when a young stag joined ours some of my dogs left the others oh, marquis i saw them as you may suppose follow with hesitation and finot was at a loss but he suddenly turned which delighted me very much and drew the dogs the right way whilst i sounded horned and hallooed finot finot i again with pleasure discovered the track of the deer by a molehill and blew away at my leisure a few dogs ran back to me when as ill luck would have it the young stag came over to our country bumpkin my blunderer began blowing like mad and bellowed aloud tally ho tally ho tally ho all my dogs left me and made for my booby i hastened there and found the track again on the high road 
but my dear fellow i had scarcely cast my eyes on the ground when i discovered it was the other animal and was very much annoyed at it it was in vain to point out to the country fellow the difference between the print of my stag's hoof and his he still maintained like an ignorant sportsman that this was the pack stag and by this disagreement he gave the dogs time to get a great way off i was in a rage and heartily cursing the fellow i spurred my horse up hill and down dale and brushed through boughs as thick as my arm i brought back my dogs to my first scent who set off to my great joy in search of our stag as though he were in full view they started him again but did ever such an accident happen to tell you the truth marquis it floored me our stag newly started past our bumpkin who thinking to show what an admirable sportsman he was shot him just in the forehead with a horse pistol that he had brought with him and cried out to me from a distance ah oh, i've brought the beast down good heavens did anyone ever hear of pistols in stag hunting as for me when i came to the spot i found the whole affair so odd that i put spurs to my horse in a rage and returned home at a gallop without saying a single word to that ignorant fool you could not have done better your prudence was admirable that is how we must get rid of boris farewell when you like we will go somewhere where we need not dread country hunters the rost alone very well i think i shall lose patience in the end let me make all haste and try to excuse myself ballet to act two first entry bowler stop erast to measure a distance about which there is a dispute he gets clear of them with difficulty and leaves them to dance a measure composed of all the postures usual to that game second entry little boys with slings enter and interrupt them who are in their turn driven out by third entry cobblers men and women their fathers and others who are also driven out in their turn fourth entry a gardener who dances alone and then retires. End of Act Two.